welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the Marvels. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you show the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast? On this podcast, we like to talk about games. But we also talk about Marvel movies. We did all the Marvel movies, I, I don't know, I guess it was that last year? Like our huge, gigantic Marvel movie marathon. Um, yeah, well, we did, we did them in blocks, though. We did do, like, three at a time, right? We didn't do... That's true. Yes, we did do them in blocks. We did do them three at a time. Where are my Marvel notes? Because I was keeping a running tally of, like, where I rank them. Okay, here we go. Um... Uh, yeah, so we're watching, we're watching, we're watching the new one, okay? It's happening. Uh, and the question is, is it any fucking good? And I guess that's what we're gonna answer today. Yeah. Um, well, let's give our yeah. pre-spoiler opinions like we usually do. Um, sure. You know, uh, do you want to go first? I thought it was dog shit. I thought it was really, really bad. <laughs> I, you know, I thought it was bad, and I wanted it to be, um, I wanted it to be bad in a, uh, maybe a, 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 like, a worse way, but it's just bad in, like, a generic bad movie way, right? The, the character conflicts are pretty hollow and fall flat. Um, it is a, we it's, like, you know, the, the story's footing, um, seems to be set Maybe in a bunch of TV shows that I watch, but I don't even think so. Um, really, it seems to be that the central drama all happens off screen, and then the movie tries to get me to care about it, and I just don't because it all happened off screen. Um, uh, the central gimmick is pretty dumb and uninteresting. It's really doesn't do much to um, drive the story or interact with the plot really it just is seems to be a, a pretty dumb gimmick um and outside of a little bit of the world building that i would maybe go to bat for i mostly think um it just kind of tarnishes the reputation that marvel has gotten so far for you know sort of its shared universe of storytelling i basically agree with that i also thought this movie was terrible um maybe not the worst marvel movie right like um iron man 3 is a pretty low bar um uh but um uh this is the first movie that just because because of fatigue right this is the first marvel movie that i watched that i actively resented while i was watching it um and part of it is not exactly the Marvel's fault. Because it's done so poorly, it was showing in one theater in my local theater and only at 9.20 at night all last weekend. Um, and so I had to drag myself out to the theater at 9.20 at night to watch this terrible movie uh, because this is what we do for you, the three people who watch this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you, the viewer, yes. Um, uh, but um, uh, uh, what was the other thing? Oh, um... The only thing I will slightly disagree with you in is that in that this is generically bad. It is pretty like generically bad in many ways, but there was a moment where I was watching it and I thought this feels like someone wrote like a Meet the Spartans style parody of the Marvels. And at the last minute it was explained to them that they needed to play it straight, so they changed it all. Like that, that was this wasn't a parody, but this was an actual Marvel movie. And so they, like, tweaked all the things that would be played for laughs because they were so cliche, right? And then played those straight because there was, a, there was so much of this kind of thing we criticize all the time, like the bathos, 
right? Yeah. Um, kind of at like, like between like the penultimate plot point and the climax, there is a scene, which I will save for full discussion uh, for the spoiler wall, that is just entirely fucking goofy nonsense. Um, that just takes up like, it felt like 15 minutes of time, probably was shorter than that. Um, I'm just like, what in the actual fuck is this? Um, uh, if you haven't figured it out, buddy, it's the scene with the flurks. Um, sure. No, uh, I, I knew exactly what you were talking yeah. about. This uh, is See, like, to me, when I say it's generically bad, I'm just talking about, like, generic movie making, right? It's not that the movie itself is generic. I mean, it kind of is, but the, the point I'm really making is that, like, you know, this fails in the way that most bad movies fail. It doesn't fail in any way that's unique or interesting, which are movies that I can tend to go to bat for sometimes, right? Um, you know, uh, there are movies that fail in interesting ways that I'm like, oh, this is interesting, even though it's bad, and so I kind of care about it, right? Uh, nope, this just, fa this just, you know, I don't know. Part of it is just like, I, I don't know. We, we'll talk, we can talk about this for the second. That's it. I don't recommend this one. Frankly... I don't recommend it on Disney Plus. I like this is a movie you should skip. It is a waste of your time to watch. I don't recommend it under any circumstances. Really, we are going to give a spoiler warning right now. I don't think you should care. You should just listen to us bitch about it for like the next True. hour. True, I agree with that. This is maybe the meanest we've ever been to a movie. I want to be clear. I just want to be clear about something. I really don't like this movie. I think it's bad. I also thought the original Captain Marvel was pretty bad, but this doesn't come out of like some like, you know, this is not like chud logic happening. Do you know what I mean? This is not like because I hate Brie Larson because she said mean things about, I don't know, like nerds or something. You know, like I understand that there is this like pocket industry of people who shit on this movie for like stupid reasons. And I just sure. really want to be clear. I'm not one of those guys. I don't even think I don't think you're one of those guys. I don't, this is not the podcast for that. This is a podcast where, you know what? I would have loved if the Marvels was great. I would have been super happy if they had turned Brie Larson's character into something compelling. I would have really connected you know, with a movie that had some authentic drama, you know, between estranged characters who seem to have all of this, whatever, but it flubs all of those, it flubs all of them. So, yeah. So, yeah. The, the only little bit of pushback I will give to that is that the best versions of the Chud argument are people who are saying that this is what you get when you don't prioritize good storytelling, right? I will happily admit there are many people who are just kind of like trying to make their buck off of being like Marvel bad. Right. But, um, I think, I think there is a group of people who, uh, get unfairly kind of maligned in that way, which is kind of why I think you, you did the throat clearing, right? Like, is like, cause you're not trying to do that. Right. Yeah, I, I, here, here is this is probably a straw man, but whatever. Who cares? Here is the version of things that I am um, that I would disagree with. There's a probably a group of people. To be fair, I don't pay attention to this group of people. I just assume they exist. Right? Uh, there's probably a group of people that are saying some form of like when you prioritize progressive politics and girl power in a superhero movie, obviously it's going to like obviously it's going to suck. That's a dumb argument. It's a pretty bad yeah. argument. And I would say that that's the chud 
you know, this, this is what the chuds would say, right, about about the Marvel. I bet that this is what they're saying about, yeah, the, I, I would, about their Marvel. Like, for one, I, the quartering is probably saying something like this, right? Like that, that's, Yes, yeah, he would be a great example of this, right? I don't care at all. Like, I, in fact, I quite like, in, to, in a certain sense, that, you know, like, this is uh, a, a, a trio sort of team-up movie between, you know, three women, one of whom is black, another one is Muslim, right? Like, I'm on board for all of that, right? Like, that, that part, I'm fine with. It just... It's a shame that the movie sucks, right? Like, yeah, no, and, uh, this is yeah. And, and I, I like again. I, I will say the strongest version of the argument isn't that progress, like that kind of progressive politics, makes the movie inherently bad. It's that when the corporate entity driving the movie just does that and expects that to make the movie succeed, they don't yeah. give the other ingredients for it to succeed. But I will agree with you that like that, like you know, there are many people out there who are not that nuanced or whatever. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Sure. I would um, definitely agree with that. Okay. Let's talk about spoilers. Uh, where do you Where do you want to Where do you want to start with this? I. So, I want to start with one thing that I think is not as bad as my initial gut reaction, which is okay. Kamala Khan is an annoying kid, but I think that's okay because she's supposed to be an annoying kid, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm on board for um, that. Uh, because that's just like a thing that I could see being a criticism, right? That like Kamala Khan's an annoying character. Yes, but that's she's supposed to be. She's a. I think maybe this is part of the problem. Is like we've got these three protagonists, right? And um, in it, like um, in the post credit scenes, Kamala Khan starts the Kid Avengers, right? With um, uh, the Hawkeye, the, the Hawkeye Junior, or whatever the character's name is. Yeah, uh, these are going to be called the Young Avengers, by the way. It's the name of their like Teen Titans equivalent. Um, but like clearly there is a po- part of the draw of this movie is supposed to be for kids and she's supposed to be the kind of self-insert for the kids. And I think as far as that goes, it's fine. Um, it just kind of feels weird, I think, to me because this isn't explicitly a kid's movie and also doesn't feel like it's trying to be ex- like explicitly a kid's movie except when Kamala Khan is on screen being a kid, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, so that 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 was um, like honestly, I think that do I think that I think Kamala Khan's character might be the best of the three, but I don't think that's saying much. Uh, I would probably agree with you that she's the best of the three, but I also think that she's the least dynamic. She doesn't really change or have an arc or have anything to overcome, really. She's mostly just kind of there as comic relief. All the narrative heavy lifting is given to uh, Carol Danvers and Monica Rambeau. And so, you know, her her job, I think, is essentially easier. I also think that she adds in the biggest dead weight to this story, which is her stupid parents and all of this shit happening on Earth at the, like at that time. I hate it hated with such a passion all of that it was so dumb and it sucked so bad <laughs> like <laughs> yeah that feels like it was a a thing for the show i, I haven't watched the shows have you have you watched the shows no i haven't watched okay. any of these shows i we watched wandavision which i guess is where monica rambo gets her powers okay yeah that makes sense um right um uh uh but um uh what's what was i gonna say the uh uh, I, I assume that the family was supposed to be like a callback to the show. Um, yeah. I agree with you. It was dumb. It also led to a couple like th- these are like CinemaSins level things, but they like 
I've talked about this before that like when you start seeing the movie go wrong, your brain just kind of attaches to every dumb thing that's wrong too, even though you normally yep. wouldn't care about it. Like, yeah, you no longer give the movie the benefit of the doubt. Well, or even just for like very, this is like these are like very stupid level things, but like one of the moments that I heard someone on a podcast speak positively about is like her dad, who is an accountant, starts giving um, like like as a joke, gives retirement advice to somebody on the space station. Right. It's like, sure. you could do like a whole, like I heard somebody say like the best part of this movie was that, and like you could do a whole series on accountant debt. Right. But the thing I saw when I saw that, and again, this is a very stupid complaint. It's like that advice only applies to the United States of America, right? Like the retirement is like, like he's talking specifically about 401ks and IRAs, which only applies in the United States retirement tax situation. It doesn't apply to a 300 year old person living on a space station out in the middle of fucking space. <laughs> and this is a very stupid criticism, but it sticks yeah. in my craw. Or in this flirk scene, which is fucking abominable, right? Like, there, so, for people who didn't watch it, um, the space station is, so, is slowly crashing, and um, they, the goose has a bunch of kids, and they're all kittens, and the kittens can eat people safely, so they put all the space station employees inside of the, of the kittens, um, and then fly them down to Earth. But one, all the space station employees actively ignore everybody telling them it's fine, it's safe, and they run away, and so they play it for yucks. And two, the people who are apparently in charge of this operation are Kamala Khan's family, which makes absolutely fucking no sense in-universe, right? Like, they would be the first people swallowed because they're civilians. They're not personnel on the station. Again, this is a very stupid criticism, but when, like, I just, like, I can't help but see it on the screen. Anyway. Yeah, all of that was dumb and super stupid, and I, I don't know, I pulled out my phone and I started, like, reading Twitter. <laughs> I was just, like, so uninterested in all the all of that stuff. I was pretty uninterested in the core drama, to be fair. It's not like there was much interest elsewhere, but at least that's where the villain was, right? And the superhero fight was. And even though those superhero fights were also garbage... And the relationship between the heroes and villains was also pretty garbage. Um, it felt more appropriate to the movie than this like weird stuff happening on the space station with Nick Fury and Kamala Khan's family. I actually I do want to go to bat for one thing. I like Kamala Khan's family, and I think that they're great. Um, one piece of this that I liked is that is how nice Kamala Khan's family was, how much they clearly cared about her, how much they were, you know, kind of like invested in her, and also how they like gave her kind of like the benefit of the doubt. Almost all the time with teenage superhero stories, the teenage superhero has dead parents or their parents die or something. You know what I mean? And I think that that's an okay writing decision for a variety of reasons, um, not least of which is that it's pretty irresponsible to let your kid be a superhero. But the core fantasy of superheroes for teenagers and kids is that you can be a superhero, um, which is why, you know, Mary J or I'm sorry, not Mary Jane, um, Aunt May can't know that Spider-Man is Spider-Man because otherwise she would freak the fuck out at any time he he went out like web web slinging, right? Um, that's okay to me, uh, and I think that part played pretty well. Uh, I just feel like you just you do it in these like there were like two or three like voice calls like video calls or whatever uh, like the first fight scene happens in their living room and then there's like a video call halfway through the, the movie I was just like just leave it you can just leave it to that you don't need to do all this other sort of stuff we don't need to keep cutting back to the to this dead weight just over and over and over again Ugh, 
it was so bad. It was so awful. Um, I yeah, I don't know. I wish I wish it was in a better movie. Uh, again, also a very Cinema Sins level problem. But like the idea that Kamala Khan's mom bullied Nick Fury into letting the whole family up the space elevator is just kind of like no, like like that 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 is so ludicrous that it like beggars belief, right? Like, um, yeah. Like I would have expected a different explanation, right? Like, but like. Anyway, um, I think to your point, there's like there's supposed to, the core of this movie. I think is supposed to be, you know, Monica Rambeau feels betrayed that Carol Danvers never came back, um, and that rang pretty hollow to me, mostly because it felt like it's been too long since I've like seen WandaVision, right? And like. It feels like maybe this was like stretched out across a little too much time. Um, uh, if it was ever like I couldn't tell you if it was ever actually explicitly on screen or if just like and like I missed it or I forgot about it. Um, either way, I think it's I, I don't think it's great. Um, and yeah, my bet is it's the opposite. My my bet is uh, this was never explained anywhere. I, to be fair, I haven't seen these shows. I could be wrong, right? But I don't think this was ever touched on or explained anywhere. I think that this was just assumed to be worthwhile for the movie. And to be fair, I actually don't mind that state of affairs, right? Um, the problem I had is it tucks all the drama into this backstory that we don't see on screen, right? right. Uh, it's not like the movie begins by doing a montage of Monica Rambeau, you know, living up to her mother's you know, like growing up and living up to her mother's, uh, like, like daughter essentially by becoming an astronaut, working for Saber, all this other sort of stuff. Um, it's not like, you know, it's, the movie starts with this, this cancer scene, right? Um, that would have been a great way actually, to be honest, to start the movie. What it does is it tucks those things into like these weird flashback sequences that happen kind of halfway through the movie. And it's just like, you can't do that and have it be narratively satisfying, right? Yeah. Um, because it just robs, you know, one of the things about flashbacks and like, it's crazy to me. This is like screenwriting 101. One of the things about flashbacks is they have the penchant to stop your story dead, Right, because it's it, a lot of the time it's just raw exposition, right? Um, and that's essentially what this was. This just was a flashback to a conversation that the that Carol and Monica Rambo's mom had back in the day. Um, not even back in the day, uh, but just a couple of years prior, um, and all of that just like didn't didn't super work and wasn't super interesting oh also they refer back to the blip the more they have referred to the blip the more i fucking hate it i think it's dumb uh i think i went to bat i i, I don't super remember to be fair i think i went to bat for the blip as like an interesting plot point and development and i think i have liked in previous movies and other movies that have come out the way that the blip has uh you know, influenced those, you know, has, has influenced those stories, right? Uh, I think I have said that it was something that the Marvel Cinematic Universe has kind of lacked, which is like a sense of sort of continuity and like a, a feeling that this is like a, like a, like a rooted, I don't know, existence, right? The stuff with the blip in this movie has turned me against that opinion. The blip is dumb. It sounds so fucking stupid to have them keep calling it the blip and also referring to it 
um, as like a way to kind of like create drama because it's so sort of out there and sci-fi that I just can't deal. You know, I just can't deal. Um, it's it made even worse that all of this was handled in dumb flashbacks too, right? Uh, I don't. Why do can't why can't we just put this stuff on screen, right? Why can't we just like deal with the drama we have in you know? Why can't we just deal with the drama we have in the moment? Um, because there is none. There is no drama in the moment. All of the it is all just off. It's just off screen. Oh, big, big, you know, like big dramatic happenings. The third version of this, by the way, is Carol Danvers blowing up the Supreme Intelligence yeah. and plunging the Kree into civil war, which was also a flashback. The third of these, by the way, um, it was also a flashback and it makes her feel responsible. First of all, it makes her feel responsible for the Kree civil war, which I think is dumb and stupid, right? Yeah, I understand how that's a destabilizing, like, maneuver, but obviously the Supreme Intelligence was evil and had to be stopped. It was doing bad things, right? And two, she then later blames herself for, I guess, how the Kree Civil War polluted the planet of Hala so that the air was unbreathable and there was a huge drought and their sun started dying, and I was like, how is this your fault? It's, it just seems like, um, it, you know, I had this thought. We learned all the wrong lessons from Man of Steel. We learned all the wrong lessons from that movie, right? The chain of responsibility that is assumed in modern superhero movies is, to be frank, so stupid and dog shit. I, it, the moral implication here is that because she toppled a, t like, I was like, I actually thought that it was maybe an Iraq war reference, <laughs> you know? Um, also, this is also the excuse. The reason they save it for a flashback is this is revealed to be the reason why she never went and visited Monica Rambeau because... Because she was like, she said, she was like, I was afraid you were, this is what I like. was afraid you were going to see me as the annihilator. And I was like, why? What? First of all, no one, you know knows. What? no one knows about this. Right? Nobody <laughs> knows about this. And you can also spin it, right? Like, you know, like, listen, I, I would, I understand superheroes feeling guilty about like making poor decisions. This kind of, this kind of thing happens in superheroes all the time. And it is actually very good, right? Like, listen, Spider-Man feels guilty because when the green goblin throws Gwen Stacy off the off the bridge the thing that kills Gwen Stacy is actually technically Spider-Man and this is a really great moment Spider-Man hits Gwen Stacy with his web and he pulls her up from hitting pavement basically i think actually water i think he's, he's throwing her in the river right at the last at the last possible second but it was actually the fact that he pulled her up that the, it was that action that snapped her neck and killed her right that's how gwen stacy died spider-man feels a lot of guilt over this right now reasonable people in the story in universe tell peter parker spider-man they go i understand that that's fucked up but it's still not your fault you did the best that you could. Norman Osborn threw her off a fucking bridge. That's not your fault, buddy. Right? This is this is how morals work. This is how the chain of right. moral responsibility works. Right? And 
But like this is like the the corrupted, completely ridiculous version of that. What did she fucking expect? Monica Rambeau was going to say, "Wow, it sounds sounds like you're the fucking annihilator," right? Like I, I can't, I also, I couldn't possibly understand. Oh, not, not only is Monica, you know, what you said, like you know, uh, does she say, "Are you the you know?" Says you're the one. She never knows about this. But two, like. The answer to this is also neglect your niece, right? Like, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I know. I know. I. <laughs> and, like, how fast did this happen, right? Like, did they, like, immediately go into Civil War and she's like, like, I feel like. I feel like there needs to be, like, something in here, right? Like, does she try and stop it? Like, does she sit there for 30 years and watch it happen and be like, well, that's bad, right? And just, like, feel guilty about it standing aside for 30 years, right? Like, does, like, I don't know. It's, it, this, this should have been the start of the movie. This should have been the opening, right? Like, it should have been, like, you know, a flat, you know, you know, her destroying the supreme intelligence and then it showing the unintended consequences of that, right? Um, yep. And maybe her feeling guilty about it, but like, you know, she gets distracted trying to fix this, and this is why she never comes home. Not because she feels guilty, right? Like, um, and she just like fails to fix it for thirty years. That I would buy, right? Like, um, or something, something like that. Also, like this kind of under like the the whole. You know, we, we weren't huge fans of the first, um, you know, Captain Marvel movie either. Um, um, this kind of undercuts a lot of that kind of, like, anti-Stoic message, which is basically what it was. It's like, you know, you know, feel your emotions, do what you, you know, trust your intuition. And she does that. Apparently, that's bad, right? Like, you know, don't do that because you will cause a giant civil war that leads to untold death and destruction, I guess. Um, yeah, I it makes zero sense. And also, even if I was a fan of the first Captain Marvel, I would be mad about that because it right. just resets the clock on Carol's character. Right? The point of that movie is the is the change. Characters need to change. Right? right. From point A to point B. Unless we're talking about Paragon characters, I could get into that, but we're not going to worry about it. It she doesn't she's back to being the Carol Danvers we knew before all of this. Right. So it is sort of resetting the clock on also her character development, which is also bad. I, just, it, I don't even know. I <laughs> like. I don't even know what they were thinking. What were they thinking? I don't know. Yeah. It, it, the other thing is that it is also introduced and dropped so quickly, right? Um, I kind of appreciate in a weird way that, like, they don't lose lose track of the mission while they're dealing with this, like, fucked up shit, right? While they're, while they're getting into the, I don't know, just, like, the details of everything, right? Um, but, uh... It just, it doesn't seem to get in the way of them fighting. They have their training montage where they learn to master this power switching thing before the next, like, three fight scenes. They do one fight scene with the power switching, and then the power switching is gone for the next fight scene. And all of these fight scenes are ass, by the way. They're all terrible. Yeah. So bad. Um, well, normally, I don't notice this, but there was a moment, I think, on the singing planet um, where, like... 
Monica Rambo runs at the main villain, but like she runs like this, like in this like strurry where like I think she, it, like she's like wearing heels. And it's like the worst run ever, and like that like really took me out of it. It was just like so whatever. But anyway, continue. Sorry. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't really remember where I was even going with this point. I just it's all bad. Yeah, it's that, all bad. It's bad all the way down. The action's bad. Um, I don't think that like I don't think that training montage really particularly pays off. Right, like there's a couple yeah. of moments, but like nothing. the the gimmick the gimmick to this movie is that they're constantly switching places and it's dumb. First of all, I kept wondering why are they not switching places with the villain? Right? Why is it the three of them who are all switching places, but not the villain? Right? Because it seems that Kamala Khan has one band, right? One of the quantum bands. Um, the quantum bands create the jump points, and then. Captain Marvel and whatever, Monica Rambeau, both interact with a jump point, and that's what entangles, like, all of their powers. But also, the other woman has the other band. Why, like, why isn't she entangled? Maybe because, like, she wasn't wearing the band at the time of the entanglement, maybe? Like, I don't even know. But it just was a dumb question that came up. She's wearing the band that creates the portal, and it affects the other band, the one that didn't create the portal. Exactly. And, and like, it just seems like you could have written this whole movie around Captain Marvel and Monica Rambeau returning to Earth and helping Kamala Khan because she has that band. You know, she has the other band. And now you have this Cree woman who's like coming to coming to steal it. I mean, to be honest, I really didn't like the space opera aspect of this. Um, Maybe I'm just like spoiled by Dune or something. I just felt like I haven't seen good space opera in a long time. Uh, it's like Dune and like Aquaman. It's not quite space opera, but just like the feeling of that scale, right? Yeah. These are the movies that make me feel that scale. The Marvel movies always feel so fucking cheap when it comes to this. Even T- Thor: Love and Thunder had this problem. Um, you know, I don't know. I just I kind of feel like these are all. Yeah, I don't. It's it's it's, it's interesting because I think I agree with you, right? Like nothing, nothing feels like a big giant universe. It all feels like it feels like outer space is another town almost, um, and maybe part of that's also like like this was a problem I had with with Guardians Three, right? Is like they destroy a whole planet of furries, right? And that is not given the moral weight of killing an Earth an Earth sized population of sentient beings, right? Yep. That is kind of like it's bad, but it isn't like world ending bad, right? Um, and I think maybe that's part of the problem, right? Like, you know, when Andor is destroyed in Star Wars Episode Four, right? You know, it is, you know, Ben Kenobi is like, holy shit, a whole planet died, right? Like, you know, obviously not those words, but... um, uh, I just want to say Alderaan, you said Andor, but right, yes, yes, I understand. Alderaan, Continue. yes, wow. You can tell, yeah, yeah wow. Um, Listen, actually, you know what? The Alder- Andor, the Andor series is also pretty good space opera, I would say. There's like a whole... Yeah, I won't spoil that because yeah. we should watch it. But, you know, it's it, – I don't know. There's just something about, like, the scale. Like, in Dune, I constantly think about this. I don't know why. I constantly think about the, like, invading army and you're just, like, watching. You know, it's like it's like we were talking about uh, – we were talking about Coruscant on the podcast. We were talking about, like, the population of, like, if we had an ecumenopolis – how many people would, would would like be on it? It's like watching a global invasion happen on the planet Arrakis as the the Harkonnens are returning to the planet and launching their surprise attack um, on the 
I want to call them Astartes. That's Space Marines. What is it? Um, Atreides. Uh, yeah, House Atreides. Atreides, right? Yeah. Um, and you, and there's these moments where like there are huge, gigantic installations that are just turrets blowing Harkonnen dropships out of the sky, and they are destroyed by by like these orbital you know like do you know the thing i'm talking about there's that shot of the bullet and the bullet go slows down on the shield and it goes through the shield and it blows up the building and the and the fire is contained by the shield until the shield gives way and it explodes or whatever i think about that shot constantly it is the perfect representation of like space opera right you know of that of that like level of scale Captain Marvel has none of that, right? She she opens a jump point on a planet in order to siphon the atmosphere to like Hala or whatever, but all we get is the one shot of the city of Hala and the one shot of this little scroll enclave on whatever that stupid dumb planet is, right? Um and it just it feels so small. It just feels so small in comparison. Yeah, I mean the implication is that like that area that's the only place with people, right? Like it's not, you know, Kamala's obviously upset that they can't save everybody, but it's not like anybody's like, oh, you need to fly to the other side of the planet to pick up everybody else or whatever, right? Like, I mean, because, like, you know, total planetary destruction, you know, like 12 million dead is, is, is a little too too much for, you know, a Marvel movie. But, you know, that's I think I think that's a big part of it, right? It's like the civilizations, the civilizations feel like, you know, large towns, not like... yeah. Not not like, you know, galactic civilizations, right? Like And that's actually in a weird way good for Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Because part of the pitch of Guardians of the Galaxy is it is it is sort of space opera, but it is sort of like homey also at the yeah. same time. In the way of, of like this feels more like cowboys on the frontier, like a Wild West thing, right? Yeah. Um you know, uh, where the towns are small, it's got a couple dozen people. That's kind of that's kind of it, right? Um, that feels that feels kind of like accurate. That feels sort of uh, I don't know, real in a way. Um, but it just like I, it, it feels like Captain Marvel is trying to do something more true to form than that. But it can't deliver on the promise. Uh, the whole thing, I don't know. I don't know. The whole thing sucks. It falls falls apart. The, her drama with the villain is bad because it is also all tucked into backstory. Um, yeah, I don't know. Not only that, but kind of. I guess the moral of the movie is like, if you're a big enough terrorist, then like you know, the reigning power will appease you, right? Like, like she like makes this promise to like restart the sun, right? And it's like. I guess the part where they sucked out the ocean of one planet and the atmosphere of another is all forgiven. It's okay, right? Like, you know, um, which kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Um, uh, you know, Listen, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, okay? <laughs> That's it. There, there you go. That's uh, we need to get off of this because I'm going to make a comparison to modern politics that I don't want to. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know <laughs> that's probably that's honestly yeah. probably for the so, best. I will, one one more thing I will say about the the villain is that um, she was also shockingly uncool or uninteresting, right? With the power to like create these jump, you know, she just like didn't offer anything. She didn't have like a neat or compelling sort of like power set at all. Um, and not that Marvel villains have ever been good. We've always kind of talked about how Marvel villains suck. Uh, but you know, like you can at least get some fun fight st stuff out of there, right? Uh, it's not, I don't know, it's just like, 
like I I don't know how I don't know how else to put this. You know what? It, okay, I it reminds me of in Aquaman. The fight scene between Black Manta and Aquaman in that seaside Italian town, right? Aquaman doesn't use his he doesn't use his ability to talk to sea animals. He doesn't even have his trident at this point. He's just a guy, basically, right? There's a little bit with Mira and the way that she uses the wine in order to use her hydrokinetic powers, right? And then obviously Black Manta has his rocket boots and or his rocket things um, and his and his eye beams. And they get so much mileage out of the fight scene just in that simple, simple state of affairs, right? You know, you have you have uh his goo you have the the goons, like the Atlantean goons who are shooting, they're running through the city. It's down it has like really unique geography and they're running across rooftop rooftops and one of them is heavier. So he goes through the thing and then he gets defeated because they have this like water weakness. It's like there's so much dynamic stuff happening in this fight scene, right? Because there's all of this, you know, be, because they just thought it through basically, right? Captain Marvel has way more stuff going for it in the sur- in the service of just kind of like raw, interesting shit going on, right? You have Captain Marvel, who's super strong and vulnerable. She flies around. She shoots laser beams, right? You have Kamala Khan, who is making these hard light constructs. That's basically Green Lantern powers, right? How cool is that, right? Um, you know, you have Monica Rambeau has the ability to, to – she has phasing. She has lasers, right? She's also flying around um, – I think she can like turn invisible or something. Uh, she's like seeing all of like the like the full electromagnetic spectrum. Maybe that's something something cool. And I'm sure you could find a way to give a person who is effectively Ronan the Accuser, but not Ronan the Accuser, a cool way to use her sweet ass Ronan the Accuser hammer. Um, but they just like completely fail to. Uh, plus, not to mention the entirety of this is these are fight scenes that are happening in space where. Kree battleships are attacking a scrolled planet and also attacking the Sing Song planet and also, you know, like doing all this attacking other stuff. Earth, and it just maybe? kind of can't Yeah, exactly. You just kinda of can't make any of that compelling at all. It's just I don't know. It's very green screened, but I don't, but it's like green screened in the worst way that things can be green screened, I guess. Yeah, because um, they don't even like to your point, know. they don't even do anything. The, the big fight with this big villain is like in like a black Soundstage, essentially, right? Like, you know. Yep. You know, Completely alone, by the way. Where the fuck is her whole army? She's been campaigning this army the whole time. Like, yeah. Um, and they don't even do anything clever with it, right? Like, this this bothered me so much, right? Like, the whole movie. Or, like, you know, past, once, once they get to, like, you know, Water Planet, it's like, oh, if, you know, if Captain Marvel shoots her with her beams and she catches it with the bracer, right, that means she can absorb it and it makes her more powerful. All right, Carol Danvers can't do that anymore. That's going to be interesting. Not really. She just does it anyway, and it gets blocked, and she's surprised every time. Right? I was so certain one of these moments was going to be, oh, this is I know what's going to happen. Carol Danvers is going to shoot um, it's going to shoot Ms. Marvel's thing, and she's going to use it. That would be clever. That will be cool. Doesn't happen. Right? Like, <laughs> that would be smart, man. That would be too smart. Okay. Yeah, and then she, and then honestly, the worst part about it is that they don't even defeat the villain. The villain beats them by successfully taking Kamala Khan hostage, stealing her thing, and then she just happens to, she just blows up. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah, I guess the villain is too fucking stupid to understand how the great quantum bands, you know, work or whatever, and she just blows herself up and rips a hole in space time. Yeah, I. 
even even in like even when she is like fake defeated for the purposes of like tricking them and, and taking Kamala Khan, right? It's a piece of the wall falls on her, right? Like and like like cuts her, right? It's like what why you're telling me they've been having this fucking fight for like, you know, a minute, right? And the thing that kills her is like a piece of wall falls on her, right? Like that, that just like makes you're telling me that Carol Danvers doesn't hit harder than like a you know a piece of you know a piece of stone falling on someone, like yeah. There's actually a moment that I liked quite a lot in my in my love of impact based action, right? Um, where she I guess she opens the jump point on the ocean planet and like a huge blast, and Carol Danvers goes flying DBZ style into a building or whatever. I was just like, yeah. That was it. Yeah. It's the only good action in that movie. That one moment. <laughs> I agree. Um, also, speaking of, like, weird motivations, right? Like, on the water planet, um, Carol Danvers is, has is like, man- manually flying them away and won't jump. And it's, you know, Kamala Khan has to make the tough decision and hit the button so that they, so that they jump. But, like, it doesn't really make any sense. Right, like maybe that's supposed to be the point that like Captain Marvel is like being irrational, but she's like, "I got this." It's like, what are you going to do, right? Like, just outfly these four ships, and then what's what's the plan after that? Is is it just like not don't leave the planet? I guess I don't know. Yeah, I also was like, is this a risk? Because I was like, oh. They do this thing where they jump, but they jump in atmosphere, right? And I know this from. Uh, Star Wars, right? In Star Wars, you cannot use hyperspace in atmosphere. You right. have to get out of the gravity well of a planet or, or a star, right? In order to use in order to use hyperspace. Okay, that's cool. That's interesting. Um, and I was like, oh, Kamala Khan thinks that she's doing the right thing, but she's actually causing even more damage because she's opening up opening up a jump point when there's already a jump point that's like essentially siphoning all this water, right? And it's going to destabilize the jump network even further. No, nope, no. Okay, that was. I mean, not that not that I should have given the movie that level of credit, basically, but also that was totally wrong. <laughs> yeah, no, like they keep saying that the network's being stabilized, but like it never to any consequence, right? Like I guess, yeah, like even like the thing that happens at the end isn't like explicitly tied to the jump network destabilizing, right? It's just kind of like oh, they blew up in a a hole in reality, right? Um, I don't know. I also feel like this is the thing I've heard. Not about this movie, but a thing I've heard described otherwise. It's like the characters are stupider than the audience, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, she's like, I'm Monica Rambeau says, I'm going to have to seal it from the other side. I'm like, oh, she's going to get trapped on the other side. Apparently no one realizes this. Like, no, like nobody in the movie realizes this until like, you know, five minutes later, right? Like, yep. like wait, that wasn't obvious. That wasn't going to be like the there there was a couple other times that something like this happens right where like you know something happens and like you know i feel like the implications are obvious and then a couple of minutes later somebody makes those implications explicit and everybody's surprised um yeah and it's like you just solve this with a line right yeah. i'm going to have to like i'm going to have to seal it from the other side but i think i can make it through right or yeah. something like that right cuz it was like what is what is the there, there's a, just a missing piece of logic, which is that somebody explains, if I start the sealing process, it will heal on its own and I can fly through the gap before it closes. You know, it's just explain that to the audience and I so I can understand the subversion, you know, a- anything kind of along those lines. Um, 
that or have or have it be a heartfelt moment, right? Like this is the only way, right? Like don't like the fact that Captain Marvel is taken by surprise by this, right? Is the thing that like throws me off, right? It's like the yeah, Monica Rambeau would see like there's no other way. I have to do it. You know, it was good to see you again, Auntie Carol, right? Like give give like close that like emotional loop at least, right? Like you know, you know, yeah, um, something. Give me something. Yeah. Uh, I don't really know. Movie's bad. Do you, do you have? Do you, I want to talk about the post credit scene. Do you want to talk about the post credit stuff? Sure. This, there was, was was there more than one? I I, le- I I left after the 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 first one, and I I I Google. I always Google it. Like you know how many post credit scenes? Like it's like one true, which I assume means that there was like a trailer that we would have already seen after like the the like. The non-flashy. Credits. I did not say for the full credits. I stayed for the mid credits. I guess is what I would yeah, say. Yeah, me too. I, okay. didn't say, I didn't say anything. Is, so it, for, the first just, thing that the story ends with is quick, Kamala Khan. Quick question. Sure. Just just a, a real quick question. Um, you might know this because you have better technical knowledge than me of movies. Is there a name for like the like the big flashy credits versus kind of like the scrolling credits with all like the the extra? I have never. Yeah, I've never heard that. I do know that that's like a thing. I've had friends who worked on them. Uh, like I, some friends of mine worked on the Shazam ones. They did the Shazam cre- credit shuffle, whatever that is. But you know, um, yeah, I don't know. All right. Well, sorry. Continue. Okay. So the first one, Kamala Khan and Hawkeye, uh, the fifth move, fifth TV show we're referencing. Um, Haley Stanfield's Hawkeye shows up She's in, gonna... I guess, New York, and she... Kamala Khan plays Nick Fury to her. Uh, she doesn't call her Hawkeye. She calls. She's got a. She's got a name. Bishop. She calls her Bishop, Kate Bishop. That's her name. That's true. Yeah, because her. Yeah, her yeah. name is Kate Bishop. Um, I guess we're setting up for Young Avengers, which is the the sort of shitty Marvel version of uh, the Teen Titans, right? Uh, one of the things that's interesting and different about Marvel versus DC is that DC has this thing of legacy and um, and like sidekicks, right? You know, you have Batman and Robin, right? And then Robin grows up and becomes Nightwing, and there's a new Robin. There's been multiple new Robins, right? Um, you know, you have uh, Superman, Superboy, Supergirl, right? Like, all of these different kinds of, like, things. It, that that sort of thing is much less common in, in Marvel. Um, and they created the Young Avengers as kind of their answer to the Teen Titans, which is generally like a bunch of new ass characters um there was iron lad who i think is a um i'm pretty sure iron lad is like a fake he's like one of visions uh or one of ultron's um extra bodies or something like that um there's hulkling who is a scroll um there's billy wiccan who is like I think it's Scarlet Witch's like fake kid who died or some shit like that. Um, there's Hul- just like a bunch of them. And Hulkling's gay, I think. Like, I- yeah, yeah. So Hulkling and Billy are gay. Um, yeah. Which is like a which you know which is like a thing. Um, and it's obviously complicated wait, because Hulkling is it, an alien. Isn't, uh, <laughs> isn't Hulkling like half Cree, half Skrull, or something like that? Yes, yeah, he is. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's definitely scroll because he shapeshifts. But I think you're right. I think he is also uh, half Cree. Um, and uh, Iron Lad is Nate Richards. Oh, am I wrong about that? Uh, oh, yeah, you know yeah, what? I'm messing up the runaway. He's a pre-Kang. Right. Okay. Um, 
Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think you're right because I think I'm forgetting. Um... Uh, there is, there is, uh, uh, there is a, a version uh, that is um, Tony Stark in an alternate universe where Howard Stark is the Iron Man. Uh, yeah, okay. I'm thinking of Victor Mancha, who is a member of um, uh, the the teenage team Runaways, which is another attempt at stealing the, you know, like the kind of like Teen Titans kind of crown. Uh, Runaways is great, though, by Brian K. Vaughn. Beautiful series. Top notch. Um, anyway. Is that the so, one with the, the bird kid? There's, there, the bird kid? There's this. Maybe maybe it's it's not a teen series, but there there is a, I know there's a famous panel where like one of the one of the one of the, the things in this book is there are mutants where their mutations don't make them superheroes; they just kind of make them fragile. And one of the oh, that's just in X Men. I know what you're talking about. You're talking about Beak. Yeah, it just looks like a bird. Yeah, it looks like that, a bird. That's just X Men. Yeah, okay, that's X Men. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And he has like backwards knees and shit. And yeah, that's from Grant Morrison's X Men uh, X Men run. He gets beaten up. There's this whole, there's like the most depressing thing in the whole world because what, because the person who really hangs out with bird and likes bird is beast um, because beast's mutation is also furthering and he, he gets like a cat face um, uh, and he's feeling more and more like disconnected from humankind, right? Um, he's a blue cat man or whatever um, and he just feels like super out there basically and um and so Beast is taking care of all of these just, like, super fucked up mutants who have just, like, super fucked up powers. And then uh, Beast gets mind-controlled by a villain to take a baseball bat and just absolutely savagely beat the shit out of Beak. And it's the most depressing shit you have ever read in your life. To see, like, the, the bullied kid who gets taken under the wing of this guy and then that guy just, like, savagely kicks the shit out of him. Ugh. Oh, that run of comics is so good. Anyway, I'm sorry. Um, well, that might be a good segue uh, to the second to the post credits. Yeah, I guess a segue to the second one, which is fucking X Men shit featuring Kelsey Grammer as Beast, which I think everybody's happy about. Kelsey Grammer was fantastic casting as Beast, except Kelsey Grammer is like seventy fucking years old. What on earth? What on earth are we are we are we doing here? Um, this is like the least interesting way that they could do X Men, in my opinion. That it's going to be some alternate universe bullshit. Uh, maybe with all of this stuff going down with Jonathan Majors, which is so much worse than I ever expected. By the way, um, I, I haven't kept up with it. I just like I, oh, the, the, they I, just released his text messages and it is brutal. <laughs> I, I saw like the fake him breaking up a fight thing that was like clearly like a PR stunt that like you know everybody knew was fake, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't think Jonathan Majors is long, and the Kang Dynasty are long for this world. Um, you know, it is pretty. It's pretty bad. They, um, they, I there's an easy solution. Just cast Terrence Howard as Kang the Conqueror. <laughs> Bring it full circle. <laughs> it's not even like it's not even like you know, you know, uh, War Machine, right? Like. There's no reason for him to be a different person. An all-powerful kind of, like, you know, timeline-spanning person, right? You can switch him out. You can switch out the actor. It's not a problem. I was going to say, you know, I was going to say, <laughs> this is a terrible joke. They should uh, they should uh, recast him with uh, Jesse, Jesse Smollett. 
about faking him like breaking up a fight or whatever. And it just reminded me of that whole thing with yeah. Justice Bullet. Holy fuck. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, like I said, this is like the least interesting way. I want them to do Fantastic Four and X-Men and stuff. It's just like, oh, come on. Be better. Get like be better. Be 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 smarter and more interesting. I think I, I have this like overall point. I don't know where I want to do it. I think it's gonna come up in Aquaman, because I think Aquaman I'm a I'm an Aquaman doomer. Okay, end of the year. Um I don't think Aquaman's gonna make any money. This has been a tragic year for superhero movies. Like every single one of these movies has tanked, um, and uh, except for I think Guardians three, um, which is the only good. This is the only good Marvel movie, and I guess Phase four or whatever phase we're in. Um, and I just sort of don't know where. Like, where are they going? What are they doing? I felt like it was funny because I wanted to say I've seen a lot of people who are saying. Marvel peaked with Endgame because Endgame was building to something, right? It was building to Thanos. Um, and it, and it, you know, that sort of draw, drove the movies forward. And to be honest, I don't think that's true. I think Thanos was a presence. I think people cared about Thanos. I think the Infinity Stones were kind of like neat MacGuffins or whatever. But I think the thing that really drove people movie to movie were the characters, right? People connected to Tony Stark. They connected to Peter Parker. They connected to captain america right and those movies were really good at capturing kind of the heart of these you know kind of the heart of these characters even in ways that personally frustrated me because i would say they changed what the heart of the character was right chris hemsworth has a comedic take on thor that i dislike i think is inauthentic to the comics but i would argue that because he had however many movies to set this up and they delivered on, you know, like they delivered on that. It actually is core to the cinematic version of Thor, right? People connected to that character and and got on board with who he was and what he was doing, right? The thing that I feel like is lacking in Marvel right now is I'm not connected to any of these characters. The thing that made Guardians 3 work for me, and it's the only good Marvel movie that has come out in the last five years, basically, um, was a previous establishment to the connection to to getting me to care about th these people and these characters even liking Shang-Chi I don't I'm, I'm not connected even even the best part liking, of Shang-Chi was the dad right like yeah I mean even liking uh Doctor Strange the movie ruined Doctor Strange for me, right? You know, it was really frustrating because it was too busy doing this, like, multiverse bullshit and not actually kind of delivering on the premise and the promise that Doctor Strange 2016 kind of set up. Um, and I just look at stuff like Eternals. I look at the Marvels. Um, you know, it's just like, where are... Ant-Man and the Wasp, I, where where are the things that I where I can kind of like connect to? Um, I don't know. They're not there. I I, I don't. I, we'll see if this thesis holds up. I think that a similar thing is going to happen. I think Aquaman is going to is going to end up tanking, um, partially because they just haven't promoted it at all. They like I feel like this movie is like super quiet. No, what like there's no trailers. There's no whatever. They released their first trailer in October of all things. Um, I love the premise. I'm super on board for the premise, right? Black Manta finds an evil trident in one of the lost kingdoms of Atlantis. And 
Aquaman has to team up with his evil brother to stop him? Fuck yeah. Like yeah, like any any movie that's like I have to team up with the villain of the first movie is baller shit. Okay. This is this is true, true goaded shit. Okay. But I don't know. I feel like this movie is gonna tank. Um and we're gonna be left in a weird ass world where the biggest movie of 2023 is like Barbie and like the Super Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> like uh I don't know. Anyway, what what are your feelings of like the state of the Marvel universe? Um, well, this is a point I meant to bring up in the main section, or like you know the, the main part, but like part of the thing that I think start, has been bothering me is like every time there's this like big stakes thing, the idea that the sun is getting sucked out and like nobody else has the time to show up to help the Marvels, it just gets like more insane with every fucking moment or with every fucking movie, right? It's like, um, but uh. Um, my guess is that one, I think, I think nothing's in a great place, but my guess is that what they're going to do is like probably the Deadpool movie is going to have a bridge moment where it brings all of them X-Men into, you know, it'll merge the world, merge the reality somehow. Right. Like that, that is my guess. Um, or at least it will happen within a couple of movies, but I think I generally, I think I agree with your, um, agree with your assessment that like there's not i think there are some characters that people will care about right like you know i know i know you're not the biggest fan but i think ant-man has enough character in there as a unique enough character um to 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 pull something but like the big tent poles are all gone um and um i think part of it like it's not the building to it it's that like nothing feels like really connected in like a way that feels exciting and maybe this is just like fatigue right like you know avengers felt cool because like no one had done anything like that before right like um uh now it, it maybe because it feels direct gore maybe it's just because like you know this movie this is like almost like captain marvel 2 right like mm -hmm. um you know, it doesn't feel like Kamala Khan and Monica Rambeau are their own characters enough, right? Um, I think the way that these tend to work, right, is like you come into these movies and you know all the characters and you get the flash of, you know, you, your recognition of them already. You put them in a situation and you build a story around that, right? To your point, this is basically the, like, the, this is, Carol Danvers has the same arc that she has in the first movie and no one else really has an arc, right? Like, so that's like not super, like you don't get like the, the Avengers thing where like, you know, they have to learn to work together or something or like, you know, you can float like five people not changing much as like a fun thing anyway, right? Cause you already, you've got satisfaction of watching them develop otherwise. Um, so maybe that's yeah. I also think that there's just, there hasn't been an Avengers movie. There should have been an Avengers movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it feels like after Endgame, maybe like a year or two after Endgame, we should have just gotten an Avengers movie that was like, okay, here are the Avengers. They are run by Sam Wilson, uh, Carol Danvers. Um, maybe Thor is in there. Maybe do Sam Wilson, Carol Danvers, Thor, uh, Ant-Man, and then you bring in your new flight of people, right? Shang-Chi, you can bring in Shuri. Um, you can maybe I'll like hijack a character from the Eternals if you care enough to reference that dog shit movie. Um, I shouldn't say that movie's dog shit. 
it was bad, but it wasn't that bad. You know what I mean? And then, uh, and like, and you just like establish like a new threat and you just like kind of keep going. I think part of the problem really just has been, you know, we knew we were building up to a new Avengers, to, to the Avengers, right? In the original slate of these Marvel movies, you had Iron Man 1, Iron Man 2, Thor, and Captain America, and they all led into kind of the Avengers. Um, and then between the Avengers, then you had Avengers, then you had two years later, you had Age of Ultron, right? Um, two years after that, you had Civil War, and two years after that, you had Infinity War. So every two years, we had a big, huge team-up movie where the whole Marvel Universe was getting together to do shit, and we just haven't had anything similar, so. Yeah, or, like, and maybe this is the Kang problem, right? Because Kang is supposed to be this new thing that you, like, you know, that brings people together, right? And you could do, like, a couple, like, touch points with it, right? Like, um... I don't know. I need to watch some of these TV shows, too, because, like, I really enjoyed the first season of Loki. My girlfriend has watched the second season and says it's excellent. Um, so I need to watch that and evaluate it for myself. Um, but I think, to your yeah. point, that leans on Loki, right? Like, Loki's a character that everybody loves, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like, who, like, who are the new, who are, like, the new Marvel Cinematic Universe characters who are, like, going to pick up the, pick up the pennant, you know, the banner, right? Yeah, like... That's the th- no one's like that iconic, right? Like maybe and that's part of the problem, right? Like, you know, do you do the ghost character from Ant Man and the Wasp? Do you do Hulk? I guess because Mark Ruffalo is still around. I guess. Yeah, um, and you can just like CG him all the time. I guess they did She Hulk, right? P- part of this also, I do think, is just like the TV shows are dog shit. I, but. Even as someone who loves to, like, be up on this shit, right? You know, like, I'm a huge fan of continuity. I like knowing all the continuity. I want to I consume all of it or whatever. You could not pay me to, like, watch some of these stupid fucking D- Disney Plus shows. How long have I said I'm going to watch Loki? And I just, like, have never, I've just, like, never done it. Um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Dire stuff, I guess is what I would say. Yeah, especially because, like, you know, Guardians are done at least for the moment and if they come back it's not gonna be with james gunn right like yeah james gunn went to go work for the competition he's running the competition right directing their flagship you know superman movie right like i don't know there's a part of me that's actually really worried about that because i think this is sort of the most promising even you know even my deep love for the dc extended universe right like the Zack snyder version of the universe i understand that like that version didn't connect with people that that was just like it's my hole it was made for me this is uniquely me shit um james gunn is the proven guy right who is good at this shit people like his stuff right uh is he going to be able to deliver on, you know, like, is he going to be able to deliver on, like, the superhero stuff? Or are superheroes just on the way out, right? Like, are we done with superheroes? Um, and we're on to just, I guess, movies about, like, on, the, like, the thing that actually bothers me most about this whole sort of, like, line of thinking is it just leads me to the place where the biggest movies this year were Barbie and the Super Mario Brothers movie. I liked one of those movies i was medium on super mario brothers i think super mario was, was brothers was okay right um but it's just like the the you know just it is we're even deeper and further away from the roots of like i don't know original hollywood filmmaking or something like i i I don't even know what I would what I, how, yeah. what I would say how what i would call that right um but this is kind of always the case right like you know um the big 
blockbuster movies aren't like the deep independent movies that everybody loves, right? Like it's, you know, um, and on that kind of footing, right? Like Greta Gerwig's Barbie is a better weird blockbuster mass media movie, like in terms, like in terms of artistry than most of the other ones, right? Like, you know, the most of the ones historically, right? Like, um, that's true. So, yeah, I mean, I, I know that I've argued this in the past as well, so I feel like I'm a little arguing against myself in a way. Because, yes, it's true. Before the big sort of renaissance of mining all the nerd nerd shit, right, that started kind of with, like, Lord of the Rings and X-Men, right, um, we... The you know the uh, the '90s were a wasteland of dog shit movies, right? That were just like we use CGI to blow shit up, and then that's how you get Independence Day. It's the biggest movie of the year. You know what I mean? And it's like I would say those movies are far far worse than the stuff that we got in the 20 years afterwards, right? Uh, dominated by cape shit, right? Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I just I think really what it comes down to is I don't like the Super Mario Brothers movie. Uh or I I the, the movie itself is kind of fine. It's whatever. It's a kids movie who cares. I don't like what it represents, right? That the way they approached that movie was just to put in all of the Super Mario stuff you realize. You know, like you know, it's like, "Oh, th- it's like it's making movies for yeah, it's like making movies for like I don't know, the I don't know. Yeah, this is this is interesting too to me cuz like something else that that popped into my head is like Maybe there's just, like, this undercurrent of, like, weirdly long-running series. Like, one of the trailers before this movie for me was another Planet of the Apes movie. And I remember, I remember like, five years ago being like, wow, they're still making these? There's, like, a continu- there's like a continuity here? Those movies are good. Have I told you about these movies? Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is one of the best, like, you know, big movies of the 2010s. That movie is so good. I mean, I I believe you, but like my mind goes to like, well, besides Marvel, there is like apparently a billion Planets of the Eights movies and a billion Fast and Furious movies. So like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> like maybe there's just like stuff that I'm not tuned into, right? Like I didn't even watch the fourth John Wick, and I like John Wick, right? Like, um, you know, fourth John Wick was so good. I, I need this one might win an Oscar. This is what people are saying. I actually don't want it to win an Oscar, to be uh, to be honest with you, but I liked it a lot. I actually really want Air to win an Oscar. Did you see Air? No. Oh, is is that is that the is what that a, the shoe movie with the Boston Girl Boys? Yeah. It might end up being my movie of the year. To be honest with you, I love that movie so much. It, honestly, Air is just like the the return to form. This is like the classic Hollywood filmmaking that I'm sort of talking about a little bit. Um, it's just you know. Uh, uh, God, movies like this. I, I I can't even think of like a good comparison point for like a movie like this. Maybe maybe The Martian I'm sort of thinking about. It's like, you know, it's like there's no really like heroes and villains. It's just like a bunch of interesting characters trying to solve a problem, telling an interesting story kind of along like along the way, right? How does Nike, this underdog company, right, become the biggest shoemaker in the world off of the back of the Air Jordan, right? Which was just like an incredible, weird story that is like too cool to, to like too cool to be to be true or whatever. I also partially is that I really like Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. It's directed by Ben Affleck. Matt Damon is the star. It's the reunion of K of my Boston brothers. Okay, <laughs> you know. Like, uh, and you know maybe 
I think I think there's something too that like you know I I feel like John Wick is ushering in. I'm putting this on John Wick's feet, but maybe it's not it. He's ushering in an era of kind of like uh, return to kind of like classic action movies where I haven't seen it yet. But Silent Night is like a John Woo came back and like did a, you know a John Wick style movie. Right. I've heard it's really good. Everybody loves it. I also just really like Joel Kinnaman, so I think I want to go see that. Oh, Napoleon is another one uh, that I want to see just because Ridley Scott is a fucking god of them. I I have heard that the history is bad, and like I was at a, at a point in my life, like high school and college, I was very into Napoleonic Wars history. Like that that was my like you know thinks about the Roman Empire, really thinks about the Napoleonic Wars was, was, was me for a while. <laughs> And like apparently the history is so bad that it's just like you know all the all the people I know that are like into that are just kind of like this is terrible I can't do this right that's frustrating yeah I, it's one of those things where like I I do believe that you can mythologize the history sure. um, for three hundred is a good example of this three hundred I think is a good movie and I also think it's good historical fiction because it is so outlandish that no one could possibly think that this is an accurate retelling right, right? you know what I mean yeah, yeah. it's like it it kind of pushes the needle all the way to all the way to sort of one side um, my my understanding of of Napoleon is that also the history is bad um, but that like there's a lot of painstaking effort made to make it look authentic right um, with stuff like um, the, the uniforms and you know just like other other kind of stuff along those sorts of lines um, which I do think is a pretty bad I don't know it's it's tough I, f I feel like in general I want to go to bat for historical movies that aren't historically accurate in terms of like it is okay to take a historical figure and tweak the stuff in order to make it like fun and interesting um, and tell a story about you know like themes that probably didn't exist in like actual history um, but I don't know who knows yeah yeah um, uh, was there anything else this year um, I want to see um, the the holdovers the like just because like the the Paul Giamatti movie where um, it's like it's supposed to look like an 80s film, right? Like an 80s like coming of age film. Um, uh, I think that they did something with like the the film grain or whatever, but like it, it looks like I think it's called the holdovers. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Alexander Payne. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if it's any. It's it's. I don't know if it's any good or not, but like I was I was charmed by the the trailer for it. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm also just finding myself watching less movies, um, even yeah. though there are things that are I'm, like, like there's a new there's a new Hayao Miyazaki film, uh, a Studio Ghibli film. Um, yeah, the Boy and the Heron. Yeah, um, and what, there's something else that looked interesting. Oh, there's the, the speaking of fucking Zack Schneider, like. The first movie. Oh, Rebel Moon. Moon. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. So really, the thing about the thing about movies this year is I'm waiting for Aquaman two and Rebel Moon. Those are the two movies that could dethrone Air. Right now, it, at the Derpies, Air is my movie of the year. Right, just because it's such a like this, it's this breath of fresh air return to a classic Hollywood form I haven't seen in a long time. Oh, the other one is David Fincher's movie for Netflix, The Killer, which is very good, and I also like it. It's maybe my number two. I think Air is better, but I maybe I'm wrong about that. I only watched it the one time. I'm probably gonna watch it again. Michael Fassbender, God, I love that man. So, it, truly great, truly. Ah, uh, okay. 
But Rebel Moon, <laughs> Seven Samurai, In Space, Star Wars shit. Uh, Charlie Hunnam is in this. I love that guy. Uh, there's all this drama. I don't know if you'd follow the, the, the drama. I could talk about some of it. There is a tie-in comic to Rebel Moon that is being, that is being written by a trans woman. And uh, <laughs> Okay, so basically... You know how people will sometimes define their politics by their enemies, yeah. right? Because someone I don't like hates a thing, I like the thing. That sort of happened with Zack Snyder, who kind of weirdly became like a like people view like like if you're if you're kind of some of the chuds that we were talking about earlier, right? If you are a right wing guy, and I'm sorry to back up. Because Zack Snyder movies were so unpopular among, let's call them kind of like the progressive sort of pop culture. Yeah. You know, like they were actually pretty like fine. Like like critics tended to be okay with them or or whatever, right? Um, Obviously, Zack Snyder's Justice League was very well reviewed by critics. Uh, Man of Steel was kind of half and half. Um, uh, But there was this huge kind of deluge of hate that kind of came from this like alternative or t- alternative media like y- film youtube video essayists railing against man of steel and batman versus superman right it was a very common thing in kind of the late 2010s um and most of these people had pretty progressive politics and part of what they hated about Zack Snyder is they is they tended to feel like he had right-wing movies um and so this created this groundswell where Snyder cut people like me there were like just right-wing people among among that sort of like group um and so then this the tie-in comic to Rebel to Rebel Moon gets announced. I don't even think it's out. I think it just gets announced. Um, and it's written by a trans woman. And so you have the 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 diehard Zack Snyder weirdos who are going, what the fuck? You know, we hate trans people because we've been getting yelled at by, you know, whatever, like progressive film YouTube for, for 10 years. This is, this is pandering bullshit. Fuck Netflix. We hate Netflix. And then Zack Snyder came out and was like, First of all, this was not Netflix. This was me. I chose her specifically, and she's great. And also, her pronouns are she/her. And I, you know, trans, sure. you know, like trans rights or whatever. And it just like was a bloodbath of people who like looked to this guy as a, you know, as some kind of weird right wing icon, and now he's seeing trans rights. Basically, um, that's dumb and funny, I think. But we'll see what happens with Rebel Moon. I'm so fucking excited. It is so my shit. It is the most my shit I could possibly. I, I don't know that I could think of anything more my shit. I guess unless Jason Momoa was the main character. Those are maybe that's like maybe all you could do to get me to to get me to sign up to Rebel Moon more. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited to watch it as well. Is it is that tie-in comic out? I'd read it. I have no idea. It might be out. Uh, I'll, I don't know. I'll look it up. I plan to go hard on all of this stuff. The one thing that I do think is shitty is that they had planned to make a tabletop RPG thing, um, but then there's a bunch of like weird contract fuckery that went around, um, and so that's not coming out. Uh, but I was like, man, that's the coolest shit. Imagine making a movie, making a tabletop system, making a tie-in comic. I'm on board for all that. <laughs> yeah. No, there was... I know that, like... There's some weird, like, the reason that, like, you could never do an online version of um, 
the Edge of the Empire Star Wars system um, was because technically that fell under the Electronic Games license, which like EA had for forever. Um, uh, but yeah, that, that would not surprise me if there was some like weirdness with the IP there. Um, yeah. Um, speaking of speaking of weird trash fires, um, I guess I want to do like a little bit more newsy stuff instead of our weeks. The only thing I want to say about my week is the finals came out like surprise launch at the Game Awards. It's super fun. We should do an episode on it. Um, okay. Uh, but um, the other big kind of news is uh, Bungie, Bungo, Bungo fall apart. Um, Bung- you, have you not heard any of this? What on earth? Oh, do you mean about the layoffs? Not the layoffs. So, uh, so. Oh, but that their revenue is down forty five percent. Is that what you're talking about? That basically Sony is trying to like is, if they don't hit revenue targets, Sony gets to take over the board and whole, wholly consume them, which like explains so much of what's where, happening. Where did that come from? I haven't heard that at all. That th- so this is so apparently this was always so. There's an IGN article. That goes, it's like, it's like, you know, morale down. I'm surprised you didn't see this because this is like, this is the type of article that Jason Trier would have written if he was still working at like Otaku or whatever, right? Like, you know, morale down, like insiders at Bungie say that like. Oh my God. Bungie devs say atmosphere is soul crushing amid layoffs, cuts, and fear of total Sony takeover. Yeah. So the thing, the thing, so this is all like, you know, these, this is. People inside Bungie speaking anonymously, and so we don't know if they have the full picture, but what they're claiming is that if they don't hit certain revenue targets, like right now, the board is half Bungie, half Sony, and the uh, CEO of Bungie gets the tiebreaker, so they control the board. Um, but if they don't hit certain revenue targets, um, Sony gets to, gets to fill the board and take them over entirely. Um, and so uh, that's part of why they've been like so aggressive in like, um, uh, like firing people and doing some stuff, right? But if I, I had assumed that you were aware of this, if you're not, we will talk about this at a later date. Oh wow, yeah. I guess this came over the over the weekend on December 9th is when it was put up. Oh no, December sixth. Yeah, this was like right in the middle of me doing a just a zillion. Um, uh, this is just me doing like a zillion. Um, uh, things for like the game awards and day of the devs. Okay. Wow, it was written by Rebecca Valentine. She's she's smart. I actually like her quite a lot. Yeah. So um, I I so just to cards to the table. I have not read the article myself. I will go back and do that. I guess if we if we discuss it in full at some point. I have just kind of like you know I do my thing where I like listen to people talk about it and also listen to like Hoglaw has is back and has like been doing videos for a while, but his podcast feed finally came back online and he did an episode about kind of like going over like the, the business aspects of it and why something like that would happen. And I think it's an interesting thing to talk about. But uh, since you're not up on the hide industry gossip, we'll put that off for a little while. Um, uh, yeah, that's fine. I just want to I will want to catch up on this for sure. Uh, yeah, my whole my whole week last week was b- around the Game Awards. We had some of our devs fly out. I went to the Game Awards uh, in person, which was obviously very fun. And then Day of the Devs right after, um, which is just like a, a whole nother thing. So I was like not paying attention to any of this. And then this weekend, I just like zoned out and played classic season of Discovery, basically. How was uh, how was uh, the uh, how was the Game, Game Awards? Awards? Yeah. Uh, did you did you watch the Game Awards? No, I was busy doing something that night. Oh no, I was super tired, um, and I was like, "Oh, maybe I'll." Uh, I just did something else. Yeah. Here's my here's my thing on the game war. I think the game uh, people give Jeff Keeley too much shit. 
I like Jeff Keighley. I like the Game Awards. I think they're both important, and I am a, I am a supporter of of them. Right. Um, that said, I think the show is pretty bad. <laughs> Mostly just because it's not an awards show, right? Like it's basically like almost like an E three convention where there's just like a bunch of game announcements uh, for games that I just like. God, there were so many of them that were shooty guy in space with a name like the the first guardian and i just like can't ever can like i couldn't tell you anything about that there were a couple of interesting things that happened obviously hideo kojima did you see his thing uh say over time you cut out hideo kojima oh the od he hasn't yeah the od that was great just because it's so weird what is this guy doing i'm not even like the crazy thing is i'm not even yeah like i'm not even a hideo kojima fan i don't care I, I i'm not a metal gear solid guy i'm not a i'm not a death stranding guy but like i just think weird guys doing weird shit is is like cool and good for the industry and i'm happy about that um my, my favorite is definitely that that gif of the woman screaming has just like been in every meme for like a week now um it's like white people when and just like the white woman screaming is <laughs> great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and so um, it just turned out that it was just like mostly trailers for you know like upcoming projects. Some of which, and like I said, you know the finals announcement that's pretty cool, right? Like that is playable at the Game Awards. It's pretty sick. I'm sure you know that um, you know, is is paying off for them because they obviously had their big open beta not too long ago. Um, you know we had. Um, uh, Blade, the new the new Arcane Leon uh, studio announced uh, a, a a Blade game. They're doing Blade in Paris, which I think is pretty pretty cool, pretty sweet. Um, I don't know. There's just like a, a couple of other things, um, but yeah, in general, the fucking the award show was not much of an award show. There were a handful of people who got up to accept stuff, and then they got played off really quickly. Um, which was just, I don't know, it's just not great. I think the Game Awards are important. It's good to have high-profile awards in the industry. Um, you know, it helps with uh, with uh, uh, the way that games are developed. Uh, frankly, I think that if I were if I were somebody who was looking at games from any other medium, I would be really jealous. I think that if you're an independent filmmaker, you're jealous of indie games. If you're a you know if you were a writer at Marvel or DC, you're probably uh, jealous of AAA games, right? Um, and so it feels crazy to me that the biggest entertainment industry in the world can't seem to put on a a, a proper award show for itself. Um, but hey, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah, I, I wonder if part of that is just kind of like, be, like, there are essentially like the, the, the equivalent of indie games don't occupy the same space as um, the equivalent in movies, right? Like there are smaller indie movies, but they're still like, I don't know, double A level at worst, right? Um, whereas, like, the things that are equivalent to indie games are things like YouTube channels, essentially, right? Um, oh, interesting. Um, huh. Uh, and so, like, you know, there is, there is, like, there are YouTube awards, but no one, re no, really, no one cares about those. Um, and so, like, 
I don't. I, I, I guess I think games are like more of a fluid continuum, right? Like you know, there are there is a big gap between very good YouTube and like low end. Like we don't we don't get like B movies anymore, really. Um, or if we do, they're like such dust bit. Like they are so outside of like the consciousness that like they don't even get like thought about, right? Whereas like you know, you can draw a line from like you know. Like, Baldur's Gate 3 is, like, a high-production game, but it's also kind of not exactly, right? It's not, it's not like, it's like a step below Call of Duty. And then Baldur's Gate, which is, like, you know, pretty unambiguously the game of the year for a lot of people and a lot of, like, these awards-type shows. And then you can step down again to something more modest, but, like, still pretty high-profile, like, um, I don't know, uh... Uh, something something like let's say um uh it's not the right year for it but um uh the why can't I fucking think of it the game that everybody likes or the 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 Disco Elysium right like Disco Elysium is like a step below sure. Baldur's Gate and then below that there's like you know some of the stuff like you know like it's probably a little bit too big of a step but there's like other stuff and then there's like you know the stuff you know, the stuff that you guys do right like you know like uh uh Universe for Sale is like a very pretty and polished game but it's not like quite at you know it's not the school elysium right and then oh all the way down to like a single you know like fucking vampire survivors right like you know which is mm-hmm. you know a guy right but like doing a game that's still incredibly popular and still has an incredible amount of reach um yeah i think the interesting thing about this is the way it um it all happens on steam is i guess what i would say right Mm. like there's no version of things where a youtube video even h bomber guys plagiarism video did you watch that no everybody was talking about it i know no i've consumed the discourse around it but i have not watched yeah the discourse around it is pretty funny uh but like even a youtube video like that right or maybe like probably i would say like the biggest breakthrough is maybe um uh the um defunct land video on on fast pass right it's not like that's ever going to win an oscar right Right. but you could make an indie game so good that it wins the game awards do you know what i mean um and i think that that's like an interest that's kind of like the interesting thing that keeps them all sort of like located in the same medium but the problem is is that steam is a digital distribution platform with a really robust back end that i can just use whenever i need to use it um in order to put my game up, right? There are thousands of games that are launching on Steam all the time to, frankly, no avail, right? Um, but the, you know, like the difference between Call of Duty, Dark Tide, uh, what would I put under this? You know, I don't know, maybe like, uh, like Rain World would actually be an okay example. And then Universe for Sale, right? Is all of those are all, those are all completely different scaled games at orders of magnitude from one another, right? Um, but they all exist on the exact same platform, which is interesting. Yeah, and you're put in the same soup, right? Like, like yes, that's another thing too, right? Like, you know, you could make the argument that like, you know, TV shows and movies are not fundamentally different, right? They're just kind of like differences in format, right? But like, the t- like the difference between there is less in between a TV show and a movie than there is between, like, you know, 
Crusader Kings 3 and like Armored Core <laughs> 6. Yeah. Oh, sure, yeah. Like, you'll know, you know, pick any two games of like disparate genre. It's right. funny. I was talking with a friend of mine who really hated Estrella. He said Estrella was dog shit. And I was just like, hmm? <laughs> like, you know, he actually said the visuals in Estrella were dog shit. And I was like, I guess there's no accounting for taste. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry you had. I, I have gone on record as loving Estrella, so, you know, there's... Uh... Yeah, no, I understand. It's funny. Well, the thing that I thought was funny was um, he was sort of describing coming at Estrella from kind of the roguelike angle, and I realized the thing that we were really kind of talking about and, and describing in a way was I was coming at Estrella from a strategy game angle, right? And when you're a strategy game player, tooltips the size of a CVS receipt are not uncommon, right? It is okay, and you're gonna have to wrap your head around some fucked shit in order to get to like get on board with this kind of thing. But if you're coming at it from the angle of like, I like playing Hades, maybe is a good example. Um, tool types like that can be, it's it's like it's like murder. It's like bloody murder, right? Um, I'm not that I ended up having this whole conversation about this or whatever, but it was just, as we were talking about it, I realized that's what we were actually talking about. I, I'm also going to object to you characterizing that as a, uh, as a roguelike thing. Cause that is like, that is, that is a, um, that's like a very specifically like an action game thing that like, no, sure. That's what I mean to say is we were both coming at the roguelike genre, like the roguelike deck builder genre from two different angles. When you come at it because you like you like action roguelike, you know, for like I'm an action roguelike game player. Right. Uh, versus I am a like a turn based strategy player. Those are two different right, no, player like the, the, profiles. The reason I'm vaguely objecting is because like the original like like rogue and NetHack. Right, like they don't give you the tooltips, but that's not because there isn't complexity. It's because like part of the game is like figuring out the fucking monstrosity and weirdness of these games, right? Like you know. Oh sure. There's a class okay. in that yeah. hack that like you know the tourist, which like blinds people with a camera, and like all the interactions are like completely fucking unknown, uh, in general. So like the like. That that was my only objection there, right? That like yeah, sure, yeah, I understand. What, yeah, I understand what you're saying, but yeah, it's just like I don't know. I think about some of that stuff. It's funny too because like the thing that won best strategy game at the Game Awards was Pikmin Four, and I was like, I don't know, like I'm, I'm pretty fucked in the head when it comes to strategy games, right? Like I'm on record that Civilization is too baby mode for me to be for to be worth my time, right? Um, game genres suck. Is, 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 I think, the answer, right? Yeah, I guess that's really what it is. Yeah, that's what, definitely... What is, I don't know, what is an true. RPG, right? Like, you know... <laughs> I know. I, what is a I JRPG, I, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, there's some stuff that I want to go to back for with genre, right? Like, for instance, I like Metroidvania. I think Metroidvania is a pretty good term, right? In terms of genre for, like, games, right? Or even just, like, shooter, right? You can, you can explain to me a lot of games by just saying it's a first-person shooter, right? Um, <clears throat> but, uh, but, yeah, no. RPG is a pretty dog shit genre well, at this point. Action adventure, garbage, right? Well, so the, the, <clears throat> the problem is, is that like Metroidvania works because like, so I think every genre basically has to have like basically in joke level context in order to understand it, right? Like everybody understands what it means, <laughs> but it doesn't fit the name. Metroidvania is a, is, is a place where that context matches the name. It's just like if you say Metro, if you say Metroidvania to a normal person, they'll be like, "What the fuck is that?" Right? Like you know, I don't know what a Metroid or a Vania is. Right? Like, um, yeah. 
Yeah, I do think on the pure etymological example, I do agree with you. For instance, we were also talking about the term ro uh, not roguelike, souls-like as a as a as a term, and I was like, yeah, that's a pretty bad one, right? Like, imagine if every platformer was just called a Mario-like, <laughs> you know? Like right, or but like you know, like <clears throat> even platformers have like you know their own sub sub genres, right? Or like, um, you know, imagine. You know, imagine like being like, like you said, action adventure. We know what that means because, like, you know, it's like Super Mario sixty four. Like, like, you you would get better. It would be more descriptive to call it like a Banjo Kazooie like or Super Mario like Super Mario sixty four like, right? Because that like kind of like yeah. or Billy Hatcher like, right? Because like those are all the games in that genre. But we all know that because we know the context, right? Um, also, just because like dividing things into genres just kind of doesn't work, like. Does Pikmin, like, I might even argue that Pikmin is, like, not particularly a strategy game, right? It's, like, a, like... It technically, it's best strategy slash sim, so I guess I understand, but I don't know. I don't even think it counts Pikmin. as a sim, right? Like, yeah. like it, it's, it is kind of like a squad-based RTS, which is, I think, why it gets into strategy. But, like, I don't know, I wouldn't call it a strategy game, right? Like... I think do you are you familiar with Xbox Tax? No. Have you ever heard that term? Xbox Tax uh I, I encountered this because Xbox fanboys um use use this as a as a term. Xbox Tax is the idea that Xbox is uniquely shit upon among the consoles, right? Sony gets love, um, and Nintendo gets universal acclaim and praise no matter what and xbox gets gets shit on and so if ever there's a game that comes out on xbox like starfield was an example of this it has to pay the xbox tax because everybody hates the platform and so like nobody wants to play or like sea of thieves has like the xbox tax that that kind of thing uh which i thought was a very funny concept because i actually don't think that xbox pays a tax i think that nintendo gets a gets a pass um, the number of games that I thought were kind of truly weird and heinous inclusions in some of these categories, just because I feel like Nintendo gets a pass whenever they do stuff, uh, is, uh, notable in my, I guess is what I would say. I would call that notable. I feel like the reason Pikmin 4 won best strategy or sim is, it's just, it's Nintendo. It's like the Nintendo premium they just get to do it they get to they get to do shit like this and and win awards for you know no reason so i i think i don't agree with you but i think i understand i understand what you're coming from and i think what it is is it's less that nintendo gets a boost it's that nintendo games get widely played this is kind of like a you know this is like an Oscars problem like you know have you watched all of the movies right have you seen all the screeners sure. right like yeah um the problem is is that a lot of like really good strategy games are like niche pc titles and but like you know I guarantee you that like ninety percent of the people that are like care, you know, that the journalists playing in the game award or you know voting at the game awards have played Pikmin, right? And so that that's why it gets. Um, it's it's not that like Nintendo gets a pass; just Nintendo gets played a lot more. They're like accessible, um, right? Um, like, uh, but you know, Baldur's Gate three won like. One, because it's very, 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 very good, but also because, like, everybody played that fucking game, right? Like, Starfield didn't because, like, it got overshadowed by Baldur's Gate 3, right? Like, I, funnily enough, at this point, I have solidified on my opinion, Baldur's Gate 3 is worse 
than Kingmaker as a CRPG. Um, I think Kingmaker is a better game, and I think it's a it's a, it's a better CRPG. But I think the reason that Baldur's Gate three is game of the is game of the year is because as someone who it, it crosses over right. The crossover appeal is the thing that drives it to be kind of like game of the year. Um, and the way that it was able to activate a Call of Duty player or a League of Legends player who never would have touched Kingmaker and would have immediately turned off of that title, right? Um, uh, it was able it was able to appeal to that player and scoop, you know, and scoop them up. Um, which is an interesting, which is an interesting thing. Like I would probably end up saying that about something like Civ or, you know, like, you know, Stolaris or whatever, right? Like, yeah, when Stolaris 2 comes out or whatever, like, the Paradox game that will be coming out next that will probably be better than Civilization, uh, Civilization 7, um, is, I, I'm going to care about that more than I care about Civ 6, Civ 7, or, or whatever. But, like, Civilization is going to cross over more than whatever, you know, goopy map bullshit that Paradox releases next. So I, I, I get that, but I also think, like I have not played uh, Kingmaker, but I have I have played a little bit of the the Warhammer one that came out this week, and like oh really yeah I I, I to be fair I played a demo at Gen Con I didn't, oh. I, I, I I haven't actually played the the full release game but like my impression okay. is that you don't get the breadth of like playability or you know like story mode story options that um. That like, in 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 those types of games that you do in Baldur's Gate, like I will agree with you that like in terms of pure crunchy CRPGness, um, that the Alcat games are like more like attuned to that. But like, I just don't think we've gotten like the kind of like extensiveness of story options in that we have in Baldur's Gate three ever. Like that's like in that case, in sense, it's like a successor to like I don't know the the Mass Effect games almost, right? Like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what kind of makes it special, right? Like that it's 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 like the gameplay isn't anything to particularly write home about, although it does some things there like very very well, right? Like, but um, I just don't think you get like the extensibility of the story anywhere else. And I think that's part of the big crossover appeal is everybody likes a good story. Okay, interesting. I okay, yeah, that's maybe convincing. I guess. Um, yeah, I don't know. Listen, we'll talk about this when we do the derpies. Yeah, in like four true. weeks. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say um, we are not going to do this on Christmas. That's two weeks from now. Oh, true. Yeah, uh, and I also don't think we're gonna do this on New Year, or I I can't do it on New Year's Day. So um, we'll figure something out. Yeah, we'll have to figure that out. Yeah, we'll figure something out. It's yeah. okay. We'll, we'll 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 listen. We know that you guys are thirsty. Okay, for more of this white guy podcast content, okay? <laughs> so, I'm sure we'll figure out a good way to, um, I don't know. Uh, I think we might, I'm, I, I think, if I can make it work, we should do an off, like a day after Christmas, Boxing Day, Aquaman special. If I can get myself to see, to see Aquaman. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. Maybe next week we'll talk about the finals or something else. Um, but yeah, okay. Uh, the other thing I want to do is uh, is Foxhole. We have to oh, we have yeah. to connect with Charles to understand Foxhole. Um, I'm going to try and drag Monica in to play the final the finals because Monica introduced me to the finals and it is. I think if you you the way you like Payday and Overwatch, I think you like the finals. Um, okay. Yeah, 
Um, but yeah. Uh, do you have anything else you want to talk about before we punch out of this? Uh, I don't think so. I do not think, I do not believe I do. All right. Well, if you'd like to email us about anything you talked about this podcast, you can email us at diversifygames.com. You can follow us at diversifygames. Um, rate review us on iTunes wherever stuff is sold. Everything's in the description. There's everything I have, but do you have anything else you're looking to promote? Um, no. <laughs> no, I guess not. All right. Uh, yeah. All right. In that case, I'll say uh, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners. <laughs>